Welcome back to American Getaway, the very true, very strange story of Camp Wandawega. At some point between taking over the ownership of the Wandawega Hotel in 1928 and the summer of 1934, Anna divorced Harry Beckford and remarried a man named Gordon M. Peck, known in Walworth County for his laziness and reckless, drunken behavior. It's intriguing that, when their wedding was announced in a local newspaper, Anna and Gordon were listed as living in Capron, Illinois, just over the border and a mere 30 miles from Lake Wandawega. Why would the happy couple register as residing in Illinois when they were known to have been living at the Wandawega Hotel? Perhaps with Anna's history, they couldn't get a marriage license in Walworth County. Or maybe the betrothed were trying to avoid the scrutiny of Gordon's mother, a well-connected woman named Sibylla Peck, who did not approve of Anna or her business dealings. Whatever the case, the marriage was turbulent from the very beginning. It is not certain what role, if any, Gordon Peck took in the operation of the Wandawega Hotel, but his marriage to Anna did signify a sea change for the legal fortunes of the establishment. From 1934 onward, Anna Beckford Peck would be arrested several times. In the summer of 1934, 20 pints of illegal booze were found hidden in the Wandawega Hotel's piano, and Anna was arrested once more. In the years that followed, it can be assumed that Anna, Gordon, and the Wandawega Hotel were by then perpetually on the radar of local, state, and federal law enforcement departments. And despite the repeal of Prohibition in 1933, it was becoming more and more difficult for the Wandawega Hotel to exist as a thriving house of ill repute. It is unknown how many more times during the 1930s that the Wandawega Hotel was raided or how often the Pecks found themselves in police custody. One thing is certain. In the first years of the 1940s, there was growing pressure from local and state officials to deal with the illicit and ongoing goings-on of the infamous Anna Peck. In 1940, following an investigation by the Wisconsin Beverage Tax Commission, the Pecks were once again charged with sale of illegal beer at the Wandawega Hotel. And yet, for reasons unknown at the time, Walworth County District Attorney Robert Bulkley dropped the charges against the Pecks and business at the hotel resumed. Two years later, however, after a complaint that had been made to then-Wisconsin Governor Julius Heil about the Walworth DA's inability to prosecute Gordon and Anna Peck, the Wandawega Hotel found itself at the center of a minor statewide political scandal. What followed were a series of letters between the governor and District Attorney Hale in which the governor called for an explanation as to why the Pecks hadn't been prosecuted, in what can, in retrospect, be seen as an audacious example of political backscratching, Mr. Bulkley responded to the governor's inquest and explained that the state's evidence against the Pecks was insufficient to prosecute. The governor, thus satisfied by this official explanation, then responded to Mr. Bulkley on June 16 in praise of the district attorney's office's legal expertise and ensured all concerned party that I, Governor Hale, appreciate your full and complete report in the Anna Beckford Peck case. This fully explains the position you have taken. I have every confidence in your integrity and feel that you should have an opportunity to make a record of your position in a matter where a complaint had been made to the governor's office. This will make a permanent record for your protection. And while District Attorney Bulkley's professional protection was ensured by the governor's office, no such assurances existed for Anna and Gordon Peck. Under pressure from local and state officials, 
the unofficial and longstanding legal protection that Anna had so long relied upon to operate in Walworth County had disintegrated significantly. Around this time, a young black woman known as Fanny Johnson, who worked as a prostitute at the resort, was arrested during a raid at the Wandawaga Hotel. Apparently, the news that Anna was now allowing colored girls to work at her establishment sent shockwaves through the community. Apparently, race mixing was too much for both Walworth County officials and local residents. For years, locals had been willing to turn a blind eye to the shadowy activity over at the Wandawaga Hotel. Hell, many had made a habit out of enjoying Anna's diverse range of services. But the presence of black working girls was a bridge too far in 1940s Wisconsin. Something had to be done. Late in 1942, the owners of the Wandawaga Hotel were, once again, arrested and charged with the illegal sale of beer and for operating a house of ill fame. And so, with its innkeepers in mounting legal, financial, and tax troubles, the era of the Wandawaga Hotel finally came to an end. On October 15, 1942, Anna was sentenced to serve one to three years at Tachita, the Wisconsin State Prison for Women. By the time she was released from Tachita, the Wandawaga Hotel property had been impounded by the county. The hotel's windows were boarded up, its liquor seized, and its doors locked to Anna forever. It would be several years before the property would be renamed and resurrected as a legitimate getaway destination. But despite the many changes to come, the ensuing decades of history and the personalities who would later populate the biography of the site where the notorious Wandawaga Hotel had once operated. None is able to hold the imagination of guests in the 21st century quite like Anna Beckford Peck. Anna lived in Walworth County the rest of her life, just steps away from the county courthouse. Local legend tells how, even as an elderly woman, Anna commanded a great deal of distant respect from local residents. Word is, folks avoided eye contact with her and kept conversations to a polite minimum. Clearly, no one wanted to cross a woman who knew, in damning detail, so many of the small community's dark secrets. Of course, Anna knew which lawmen and lawyers, deacons and judges, had spent long summer evenings enjoying the illegal liquor, gambling, and body women that the Wandawaga Hotel had once provided the people of Walworth County, Wisconsin. It is not known whether Anna ever visited the Wandawaga Hotel property ever again. Anna Beckford Peck died on June 30, 1980, and is buried in Lafayette Cemetery in the Peck family burial plot. She was 94 years old. Stand all in a row. You look so sad. 
The Tragic End of Johnny Sweetheart, 1942. One more event from the last days of the Wandawega Hotel deserves to be mentioned here. The origins of the first ghost of Camp Wandawega. The ghost of Johnny Sweetheart. Monday, August 31st, 1942, Chicago. A lover cast aside, a man pushed to the breaking point, then to murder and kidnapping. A stolen car, a high-speed getaway up Route 12, over the Wisconsin line and into Walworth County. This is the rough sketch of the violent events that led John Gabriel, 35 years old, to make the Wandawega Hotel his last hiding place before, ultimately, committing suicide at a cottage on the grounds of the Peck's Notorious Hotel. From the front page of the Elkhorn Independent, three days later, the lurid crimes were explained in more expansive detail. Reminiscent, the paper noted, of the sensationalism Walworth County had known much of during the late Roaring Twenties. Sometime during the summer of 1942, Mr. Gabriel had been cast aside by his sweetheart, Miss Virginia Bodziak, despite his insistent advances and pleas for forgiveness. From friends and relatives, wrote the Independent, police pieced together the story of the blasted romance. It had been trouble from the start. The couple had quarreled often. Gabriel was violent. Once, after Miss Bozziak had pulled away, John had smashed the front windows of her Chicago home and, quote, threatened to kill her when she declined to forgive and marry him. And then, on that fateful afternoon in August, John Gabriel lost control. At around 4.30 p.m. that day, Gabriel was waiting for Virginia outside her workplace, Chicago's Appleton Electric Power Plant. He confronted her and begged, one final time, that she take him back. When she once again refused him, John dragged Virginia into a deserted alleyway and shot his one true love to death. During his escape from the murder scene, he also confronted and shot Virginia's sister, Leona, though she would later recover. Before leaving Chicago, John Gabriel commandeered the vehicle of an acquaintance, Irene Carpenter. John confessed his crime to Irene, then held a gun to her head and forced her to drive northwest to Walworth County. The pair escaped at high speeds, and upon arriving at the Wandawega Hotel, Gabriel rented a room under the name of Jack Redman. He asked the Pecks to borrow a radio, under the guise of wanting to hear the evening news. That evening, Irene Carpenter left Gabriel at the Wandawega Hotel and drove her car back to Chicago. There, she informed the police of all that had transpired and where they could find John Gabriel. She knew that Gabriel was still armed. He was a desperate man, capable of doing almost anything. When Walworth County police officers arrived at the Wandawega Hotel around 12.30 a.m., they woke Gordon and Anna Peck and knocked on the door of the guest cottage adjacent to the hotel proper. There was no answer. No one stirred inside the cottage. The only sound that officers heard was the quiet hum of radio static somewhere behind the locked door. When the police finally entered the cottage, John Gabriel was found slumped in a rocking chair, dead, a 32 caliber revolver on the floor at his feet. On a nearby table, 12 letters were found, all written in Gabriel's hand. The letters were addressed to various people, 
In them, Mr. Gabriel asked for forgiveness, for understanding. Remember me as a good fellow, Steve, he wrote to an old friend. Thanks for all you have done for me. Take care of your wife. Believe me and forgive me. A man has to have nerve to kill himself. Believe me, it's the truth. I died at 11.20 p.m. It's curious to note that in some newspaper accounts, Irene Carpenter claimed that she had, in fact, witnessed John killing himself. But in other accounts, she claims that she left him alive in his room. Strange, though, that Carpenter didn't try to get help locally. Instead, she leaves John Gabriel in a manic, desperate state, gets back in her car, and drives all the way to Chicago before reporting what happened to the police. What makes these conflicting accounts even stranger is that Gordon Peck claimed that he saw Irene say goodbye to John outside the cabin before she left to go back to Chicago, a detail that flatly contradicts her other accounts. One last curio from the strange death of John Gabriel has to do with the suicide note. Isn't it bizarre that the last act of such a desperate man would be to write such a clear-headed, thorough, and precise note? A man has to have the nerve to kill himself, the note read. Believe me, it's the truth. I died at 11.20 p.m. Was Irene Carpenter somehow involved in the death of John Gabriel? Could she have been capable of an act of passionate brutality? Or maybe it was self-defense. Had the Pecks somehow conspired to help her cover up his death in some way? Surely, if anyone in Walworth County knew how to keep a secret, it was Anna and Gordon. We will never know exactly what happened on that fateful day at the Wandawega Hotel. It's fair to say that some secrets don't ever get to be told. In the days following the suicide, the body of John Gabriel was sent back to Chicago. The news reports of the blasted romance, the murder of Virginia Bodziak, the kidnapping and escape, and John Gabriel's desperate suicide ran its course in both Elkhorn and Chicago. The story was soon set aside, overshadowed by the inevitable occurrence of ensuing and more newsworthy Windy City crimes. The papers, their readers, and the world beyond moved on. And yet, though his body was only within proximity of the Wandawega Hotel a few short hours, some say the tortured spirit of John Gabriel, aka Johnny Sweetheart, still lingers on the hotel grounds. The last notorious guest from the days of Orphan Annie. In the 80 years since he made his getaway to Walworth County, dozens, or is it hundreds, have reported seeing a young man not unlike John Gabriel, wandering along the shores of the lake. The mysterious figure is seen, so they say, wearing an old-fashioned bowler hat, standing at the far end of the pier that stretches out into the lake. He gazes across the water, looking for something in the distance. Perhaps he looks for something, or someone, that has long been lost. A a few short days to part A short life of trouble, little girl For 
aching heart Remember what you promised Not but a week before You promised that you'd marry me, girl Now I'm knocking at your door A short life for trouble a few short days to part A short life of trouble, little girl Full of broken hearts American Getaway was written and narrated by Austin Salisbury. It was directed by Lars House Schilt and edited by Chad Michael Snavely at Sound On Studios in Nashville. Instrumental music written and recorded by Philip Bowen. Additional music by Joseph Bradshaw, Casey Chambers, Bo Jennings, and Robin and Corey Quintard. Special thanks to David Hernandez and Teresa Surratt and the Wandawega Historical Society. You can see photos of the people and places featured in this story and learn more about Camp Wandawega at www.wandawega.com. Thanks for listening. A short life a few short days to part A short life of trouble, little girl Full of broken heart A short